Praise the Lord. Amen. Man, that was a declaration that we just made, man. And, and, that, and that life we were just singing about, is that that's the kind of life that leads the church. That's the kind of life that changes the world. Amen? For the glory of Christ Jesus, that's the life. That spirit-led life. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, man. So check this out. We're going to jump right into something here because I got a lot. And I hope you had your coffee. Maybe three cups probably would have helped this morning. All right? Because we got a lot to cover here, man. But I need you to go someplace with me right now, all right? And it's in your mind's eye, kind of like that imaginationary space, all right, in your mind. And some of you might need to close your eyes for this. Some of you might be able to kind of go there with me with your eyes wide open. I don't know, whatever it is, but we try to eliminate distractions right here as I take you back 2,000 years, all right? And I want you to go back there with me. And I want you to actually stand on some 2,000-year-old dirt. I want you to, to look down at the dirt and you don't see the jeans you're wearing the dress you're wearing, you actually have some crazy Jesus robe stuff on, all right? And so you look down and your feet may not look as well manicured as they are today, but they probably look pretty crazy because they probably have dirt on them and you got sandals on, all right? And you're looking down at your feet, right? And, and you can see maybe there's sawdust on your feet because you've been working or maybe you've been working, you know, around the house and you got flour or, or, or dirt on your feet or, you know, if kids throw up on your foot. I don't know what it is, man. But you're, you've been busy in this ancient world, all right? And then you look up a little bit around you and you see other people who are in their Jesus-type robes and sandals and stuff. And you hear a commotion kind of going, man, and people are, are moving, all right? And they're all heading, and you're actually in this crowd heading towards this destination that not just hundreds of people are going, but actually thousands of people. And you're with them, and you're going, and you know that you're going to go hear this guy. You're going to go see this guy that you've heard of. His name is Jesus, and you've heard of these miracles he's done. You haven't yet seen one yourself, man, but you know what? You've been leaning into this discussion because, you know, you're pretty, so far, you, you, you've kind of leaned into your faith in God, but you, you feel like it hit a, like a wall and it needs more, and there's something that's happening with this guy that you feel is exactly where God has been leading you all along, and you come into his presence, and you see him there, and he's got a couple of his dudes with him, right? Well, he's got his 12 guys with him, all right? And they're with him, and there's just thousands of people, literally thousands of people. And you manage to get close enough to him to where you can hear him quite clearly, right? And, and then when you look and you're expecting him to address the whole crowd, you see him turn to his boys, and he starts talking to them intensely and intentionally. This crazy teaching just starts coming out. But you recognize he's not, he's not angry. You recognize his demeanor is not one of judgment and, and condemnation, but it is one of love and concern and care. And as you see him talk to his disciples, you wonder, I, you know what? He knows that we're here. He knows that we can hear him. Is this also for us? Is this also for me? And he looks at his boys, man, and he says, look at, beware of the leaven, all right, of the influential lifestyle of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy because they're a bunch of pretenders. And you start tripping because they're right there. Some of the Pharisees are right there. You're like, wait a second, dude. Did he just say that out loud? And you're kind of tripping. He says, nothing, he says, watch out for these guys and, the, and their influential, all right, lifestyle that is this all pretending, and you lean in closer to this conversation. 
He says, nothing is covered up that's gonna be revealed or hidden that, that, that will not be known. And that kind of strikes you, wait a second, I got some things that are kind of covered up right now, right? He says, therefore, what you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whoa, 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 where is he going with this? And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And you recognize that he is literally challenging his boys to, to cultivate a life of transparency with nothing hidden, nothing to hide. He tells you, don't be a pretender. All right, like these guys. And you're like, wow, they're right there. All right, he says, he says, I want you to cultivate a life of transparency so you won't be a hypocrite like these guys. And you look around, man, and you know he keeps referring to these guys. And they're dressed all sharp, and they've got their, those shovels on their head that looks all crazy, all right? And there's like, you know, they got their big robes and stuff like that. It all means something. I'm sure it's very important, all right? But they think they take themselves maybe a little bit too seriously. And he's pointing them out, and you're tripping because you know these guys are the dudes, man. These ones are the, they're the cultural leaders. They're the community leaders. And you're like, man, they're right there, Jesus. Should you be talking this loud about these things? And then he tells you, he goes, look at that. Don't be afraid of them. He says, don't fear them. He tells you, he's like, he looks at his boys. He calls them friends. And you go, man, he really loves these guys. He looks at them, and he calls them friends. He says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that, I have nothing more they can do. He says, but I want you to tell you, I want to tell you who to fear. Fear him after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yeah, I tell you to fear him. And you trip out when he mentions this hell because you know this. You, you've been in synagogue. You've been in, you've heard the scriptures. You recognize, you know, man, that hell is, 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 is a real place that is prepared for the devil and his angels. You know this. You also know it's the final destination of those who reject the witness of the spirit of God which right in front of you now is witnessing and giving testimony to Jesus. You know that hell is an eternal separation from God's mercy, from God's grace, from God's love and his very presence. You know that if right now, if God was to remove his mercy and his grace from the planet, this whole thing would just fall apart. This whole planet probably would even stop spinning because it's his love, his grace, his mercy that keeps it all rolling even though we're all crazy. Right? And then he tells a parable, right, to those guys. He goes, look at our, our, and he's looking at these guys. And you're like, I know he knows we hear him. I know he knows we're here. There's thousands of people just crowded around him. And he looks at his boys and he tells them, look at man, our, uh, he tells them this little parable, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God. He says, why even the hairs of your head or the hairs that have already fallen off your head, all right, are all numbered. He says, don't be afraid. And you're looking because you were already starting to get afraid. Because you know, man, he was actually kind of signing a warrant of arrest and if not death, the way he's talking about these guys right here. But he tells his boys, don't be afraid. And there was just something with authority and, 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 and he was just settled in that don't be afraid thing. He says, don't be afraid for you're more valuable than any sparrows. Don't be afraid because God himself 
values each of you with tremendous value. And then he says this. He says, I tell you, it gets crazier. He's, and you're like leaning in. You were just like, oh man, you were just leaning into that because you want to know. Because you, your value has, has been diminished several times through several situations and even by, by people that you gave, maybe gave them too much uh, you know, authority in your life and, they, and, they, and you were devaluing and God says, look at I have ultimate authority and I value you and I love you. And you're leaning in. And then he says this about himself. He says, and I tell you, everyone. And when he says everyone, you see him motioning to the crowd. Thousands of people. He says, everyone. But he's talking to his boys. He says, everyone who acknowledges me before man, the son of man. He's talking about himself. The, the son of man, the son of God. This is God in the flesh. He's talking about himself. He says, we'll also acknowledge before the angels of God. He will also acknowledge before God himself whom the angels are in the presence of constantly. He says, but the one, and you, and you imagine, you're like, man, he's going to start pointing this out. But the one who denies me before men, and you're waiting for him to start pointing at you, but he doesn't. He just says, but the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And he says something that's kind of shattering and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. The one who totally, completely, and with finality rejects the work and the, and the power and the witness of the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Your heart kind of skips a beat. And he says, and when they... And he says they, and you know he's, he's talking about those Pharisee dudes. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, he says, don't be anxious, don't trip. My little potato chip. <laughs> he says, about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit, who's not just there, but here now, will teach you in that very hour what to say. And then he pauses, right? He says all that, looking right at his guys in the presence of you and thousands more. And you think, man, you actually say it out loud to your buddy. You got a friend with you there, man. And, and you're like, man, I'm so glad he wasn't talking to me like that. And your friend next to you says, I think he was talking to all of us. Okay, put your shoes back on. We're back in 2023. Amen. <laughs> you see, Jesus knew that his disciples, not just his apostles, but all the followers who followed him. He knew that what he was calling to, and if you miss anything today, recognize this, that life in Christ is a life lived in love out loud. You got that? Life in Christ is a life that is lived in love out loud. 
You see, Jesus knew that his boys, all right, and maybe and, the, and many men and women who would follow him from there were going to you know, were going to be scattered. He also knew that the church was going to grow and explode across the planet, and so he prepared them, all right, to be used by God in the crazy places that they would go, and they took him seriously. They all took him seriously. And he just claimed the title, all right? He just claimed the title, man. They owned the position. And how do we know that, these, that those people, not even just the, the disciples, but some in the crowd, how do we know that they owned the position? Right, because within the next couple of hundred years, this small, what was considered to be a Jewish sect, all right, basically this small group of people with their own beliefs and values and whatnot, thought to just be some small, insignificant Jewish sect, all right, and it ended up becoming the, 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 the religion of the Roman Empire. I mean, check this out. I want to share with you some quick, that's why I told you you need your coffee, because check this out, man. Here's just some evidence of what took place from these moments that Christ was teaching his disciples and many men and women that were listening and beginning to follow him, all right, and decided to recognize that, that, that a life in Christ is a life that is lived, all right, uh, in love and out loud. All right, because just, just to think of a, just the growth and the expansion of Christians in the Roman Empire, all right, outside of those in Jerusalem, we know through the book of Acts, it grew pretty quick there in Jerusalem as well. But just, just look at some of the facts. In, in 40 AD, just shortly after this communication, all right, outside, just in, 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 the, in, the, in the Roman Empire, just outside of Jerusalem in the Roman Empire, we, we have estimated, all right, through research and studying that there were at least 1,000 Christians, all right, who were not Jews and just growing in the Roman Empire. 1,000. And 60, or uh, yeah, 60 years later, all right, in 100 AD, it grew to 7,500. And, and just 50 years after that, it grew in the Roman Empire, across the Roman Empire, in the midst of just crazy adversity, being killed for your faith, literally thrown in a lion's, uh, in, a, in a gladiator pit and just being chewed up by lions, crazy stuff just taking place, brushed in their houses, killing their families, crazy stuff in the midst of all this adversity. All right, by the year 150 AD, it grew to 40,000 Christians in the Roman Empire. And 150 years later, 300 AD, they grew to 1.2 million Christians in the Roman Empire. That's about 2% of the entire Roman Empire at the time. That's crazy, crazy growth, unheard of, because they didn't have cell phones or social media. They didn't say, hey, man, I just talked to this guy, this guy from Jerusalem, like, hit, love, you know what I mean? They didn't get that. There wasn't news, there wasn't nothing. It was all word of mouth and those crazy feet walking everywhere telling people about Jesus, being threatened. By the year 350 AD, 34 million Christians throughout the Roman Empire, that is over half of the entire Roman, the Roman population. Now that's insane, that's crazy. I mean, we know by 312 AD, the Emperor Constantine officially gave his support to Christianity. And we wonder, why did it grow so quickly? Well, there are some obvious reasons that may not be so obvious to others, but at least we should, we should know this. Number one, it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
because God himself was, was creating, well, you know, opportunity and, 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 you know, through, through, through Pax Romana, you know, the, the Roman peace that was taking place, no wars, we could travel a lot, it was crazy. All right, all kinds of different opportunities that go, you know, the Greek language that was just kind of a widespread, you know, made it easier. God was using all of those in the fullness of time to let it be known. All right, all this stuff, it was made. So, so the power of the Holy Spirit, definitely. Number two, the gospel message was like a message that they'd never heard. To be saved from our sins. There was a lot of prayer to different gods to be saved from our enemies, for our, for our wealth to grow, but to actually be saved from the enemy within. Well, that was different. The fact that, 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 that Jesus Christ, a man sent from God, all right, God himself, all right, who came and gave his life for everyone, not just the Jews, sins of the Jews, but the sins of the whole world. Well, that was a message that was kind of like not heard of in that day. And so it grew quickly because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It grew quickly because of the message of the gospel. It also grew quickly because the messengers, all right, were willing to die for this message. Because a life in Christ, they knew that a life in Christ was a life that was lived in love and out loud and not hiding. And they were willing to die. We still have this today. We still have the power of the Holy Spirit. We still have, all right, the gospel message. We still have men and women who say, man, here I am, send me, no matter what. But there were some crazy couple of things other that, that just took place, some other things that were just pretty amazing. The, the church grew tremendously because of the way the, how the Holy Spirit was working them through them and their concern for the poor and for the hurting. The lifestyles of Christians are, were characterized by huge generosity and compassion for the poor and for the outsider, which was unheard of. I actually, there was a letter, I was gonna put this up there, but there was a letter um, from uh, one of the emperors during that time of those 300 something years, all right, uh, Emperor Julian. And he was talking to, he wrote a letter to a pagan priest and he said that they need to start acting more like the Christians and being generous to those in need. It's crazy. He said, and this is his own words in this letter to this pagan priest. He says, for it is disgraceful that when no Jew has ever has to beg, all right, and these impious Galileans support, the impious Galilean, the, the Christians support not only their own poor, but ours as well. And all our men are, are looking at us like, 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 well, his actual words, I'm paraphrasing immediately. All men see our people lack aid from us. These Christians are taking care of not only their own, but, but ours as well. So you had the power of God. You had, you have this gospel message that was just not unheard of. It was unheard of. Men and women willing to die for this, you know, for the message, this concern for the, for the poor and for the hurting. And then there was also this concern for those who have been discarded by society. You see, back in this time, and we don't like talking about this, but it was a real, it's history. The Roman Empire was a very male-dominated empire and culture. And if you were gonna have a kid, your first kid, and if it wasn't a boy and it was a girl, you dis they discarded the, boy, the girl. They, they, they took her out to the city dumps and threw her in the trash heap. Or if your boy was deformed or your child was deformed, they threw it out in the trash heap. Do you know that the Christians would hang around the dumps looking for these kids. And they would just cry through the, through the dung and through the, through the trash and through just all the waste, they would search for these kids and when they would find them, they would bring them home and raise them as their own. This was unheard of. Nobody was doing this stuff. This life of love that was lived out loud. All right, it was crazy. The world hadn't seen anything like these Christians. 
It's because of that. We're here today. All right, over one third of the population of this planet, all right, claims, claims Christ in some way, in some form. I don't know if they're all serious about it, you know what I mean? But <laughs> at least saying it, we need to lead them further. You're like, what about the other two thirds of the planet? And I'd ask you the same question. What are you going to do about that? That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> but that's why we're here. Why? Because the people that were in that crowd, as they were listening to Jesus talk to his boys, and they were saying this crazy stuff, all right, they, 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 they were not content with just being a part of the crowd. There were men and women in that crowd listening to these words of Christ that were not content of just being part of the crowd that can hide behind another person, listen, and then say, okay, whoa, that was crazy. Stepped on my toes. All right, anyways. Back to life as usual. They said there is no way life could be usual as usual again. They actually got involved in living this faith life out loud. What about you? And what about me? Right? I want us to take a look at that word that he shared this time. Not so much with the lens of history, but with the lens of our current reality. Your current reality. And as we open up this scripture one more time, I want you to look at this word, but this time, look at it as, it as in through a mirror, as if the word is on the other side of a mirror, but you can see it as you look at your own reflection. Now, we recognize he began, and I know if you missed the last two sermons, please go back and watch them. If you're online, if you're online right now and you're watching, all right, and you missed the last two sermons, hit pause, go back, watch both those, because this is very progressive, all right, and you need to stay with us. But the first, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we shared how he said, don't be a hypocrite, don't be a fake, but, but to live a life of transparency. It has nothing to hide. Last week, we talked about how he said, stop living in fear, and, but, but to live a life in peace in Christ, by the grace of Christ, all right? Because the opposite of fear is peace. And the way we receive peace is through the grace of God. And today, he's talking about us to commit to a life of love out loud. Because a life in Christ is a life in love that is lived out loud. And so here we go, man. Now look at it. It's through the mirror, man. Yeah. In Luke chapter 12, verse 8, <clears throat> he says, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will, all, will acknowledge before the angels of God. He says, basically, this idea of acknowledge isn't just to give a nod to God, right? Or just to kind of wear a T-shirt to kind of say, have, you know, uh, you know my, let my T-shirt do the talking or my earrings or my tattoos do the talking. He says, basically, this is acknowledging your love, his or her love for Christ by everything that he, and he or she does. Not just with words. True love never just simply declares itself. It acts out in love, amen? In a manner that is accessible and observable to the people around you, even to the public. I told you a story before uh, about a guy who worked, who, who was at, in a missionary, right? He, he came in, total drunk, man, just totally just kept, 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 couldn't get it right. His name was Joe, right? And he gave his life to Christ in that mission. It was like the gospel rescue mission. He gave his life to Christ and started serving not only Christ, but everybody in, through, through everybody in the mission. They would come in. Somebody throw up, he'd go clean it up. Somebody needed food, he'd make sure they got food. He'd need a pair of some socks, he got him some extra socks. He was totally serving, and one day they were in service, right? And one guy came up and started praying, oh God, oh God, God, please make me like Joe. Please make me like Joe. 
And the priest came over, the preacher came over and said to him, man, don't you mean God make me like Jesus? And dude, look, at the priest, he said, man, is he anything like Joe? <laughs> because that's what I want. I've had people say the same thing about so many of you here. Is he anything like Pastor Nick? Is he anything like Jessica? Is he anything like Blake? Is he anything like, 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 like your wife Debbie? Is he anything like, you know, Pastor Brian? Is he anything like Ron? Is he anything like, is it like Darcy? And it's so amazing when you get to see, all right, that it is taking place right here. Men and women who know that life in Christ is a life lived in love out loud for the glory of Christ. He says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God and therefore God himself. The next verse, he says, but, but the one who denies me, remember, we're looking at this through a mirror, will be denied before the angels of God. And, and, and so we look at this, well, how can we know if we're denying him? Every time we choose to serve ourselves before serving God, every time we choose to serve ourselves before serving others, all right, whenever we feel that we need to hide our faith, we know. All right, whenever we know that God is calling us to someone's hurt and we go the other way, we know. When self-preservation outweighs public proclamation, we know. And I will tell you, don't freak out because every one of us has done every one of those things. Right? If you say not me, you just added lying to the list. <laughs> but don't freak out because Peter did it three times. Remember? Publicly denied him. Self-preservation over, pro over public proclamation. He says, I don't know him. I don't know him. I tell you, I don't know him. Three times. But then he repented. And responded with a life of love out loud. You see, it's the lifetime of denial that leads us to an eternity of living in that denial apart from God. A lifetime of denial. While you have breath, while you have air, there is still time to repent, all right? To, 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 for your heart to be broken over, over your separation from God, for your mind to change over the separation from, you, from God, and for your life, your hands to prove it as you start heading back towards God. That's why First Timothy, you know, the apostle Paul writes to the young pastor in Ephesus, Timothy, he says, keep a close watch on yourself. In verse 16, 416, keep a close watch. Check yourself, he's telling him. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching that you're teaching and that you're hearing. He says, persist in this, because if you do this, you're going to save not only yourself, but also your hearers, all right? Live a life that matches your mouth, he says, a life of integrity and conviction over pretending and fear. A life of integrity and conviction over a life that is consumed with pretending and fear. You see, because no matter what you claim, no matter what you claim, what you truly believe in your heart will come out. Each of us are communicating something. Each of our lives are communicating something. My question is, what, what does your life communicate the most? You say family? Great, that's good. All right, hard work? Well, that's good too. Friendship? Awesome, nice. What about the one who gave all those things to you? Praise the Lord, family. Praise the Lord. Good, 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 good job and hard work. Praise the Lord, good friends. Praise the Lord, a great church. Praise the Lord, tacos. 
you know what I mean? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Jeremiah verse 20, verse 9 says, you know, because they were telling him, man, you need to shut up about all this God stuff. You're just going too far. He says, you know what? If I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary with holding it in and I can't do it. You look at this and you look, dude, I get it. I understand, all right? But I'm not a preacher. I don't preach. I'm not good at preaching. I'm not going to preach. And I got to ask you a question. If you were cured from a life-threatening disease and you knew someone who needed the cure, would you not say anything because you're not a doctor? Your life speaks before your mouth declares. Let your life speak because a life in Christ is a life that is lived in love out loud for the glory of God. Amen. And then he drops something really, really crazy on us. It's verse 10. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. This verse right here, this one verse that's actually repeated in the other Gospels, a couple of the other Gospels, all right, has been so controversy, controversial. It has been one of the number one verses in the Bible for great fear of rejection. But he just got through telling us not to be afraid, Remember? He says, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. But then he says this, and you're like, okay, how does that work together? And so many times we, have, we really have to open this up. We have to take a look at this because blasphemy of the, of the Holy Spirit, what he's talking here, because he prefaces it with, if you, if, you, if you speak against the Son of Man, if you speak against Jesus, he says, that'll be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not. And what he Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, or of the Holy Spirit, is not so much an act of rejection as it is a persistent and decisive rejection of the Spirit's message concerning Jesus. So denying the, the work of the Holy Spirit through Christ is a life that doesn't want repentance. And you don't receive what you don't want, Right? Like, why is it unforgivable? Because you're not asking for forgiveness. You don't want forgiveness. You don't think you need forgiveness. So you don't receive the forgiveness that God has given you. When a person decides on a life that is fixated and settled on rejecting and refusing the message of Christ, that person is not forgiven because they don't want it. Speaking against Jesus is an instant rejection that can be repented of. Uh, if it wasn't, then Peter and Paul, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, would be toast, because they've both done it. Peter did it three times. Paul was actually taking Christians to prison to be killed because of this Christ. 
So speaking against Jesus, that's an instant rejection that can be repented of while blasphemy of the Holy Spirit goes to the grave with a determined rejection. Do you understand what that means? It's about as simple as I can give it to you, man. You probably want to study it some more. There's a whole bunch. You'll find all kinds that you go nuts. You'll, Jesus will come back before you get done talking about figuring this out. I'll tell you that right now. But what we can know as we look through the other scriptures, through the whole Bible itself, and use it to help interpret this one verse, we come up with this conclusion. Blasphemy of the Spirit goes to the grave as with, as, with a determined rejection of God, of Christ. I can't tell you how many youth, as a youth pastor, I used to, we'd get calls. And sometimes, not even kidding, this happened a couple of times, in the middle of the night. And I'd answer the phone, and one of my youth in my, in my youth group would say, I did it! I've done it! I blasphemed the Holy Spirit, I'm going to help. Can you help me? I'm like, dude, you just totally helped yourself. You're good. Because if you're freaking out over it, all right, you're good. Again, it's not an, an act of rejection. It's, cons it's consistent hardening of the heart against God. I want nothing to do with him. And that person won't call their youth pastor freaking out. That person won't call their pastor. That person just repents of, the, of, of an act of rejection and follows Christ. Your life is what proves the path, Amen. And so he says, he goes on, man, and he says, and when they bring you before the synagogues, and it's probably not going to happen to you like that, but we have other ways of this taking place, and the rulers and the authorities, don't be anxious, don't be tripping out, don't be freaking out about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. He says, for the Holy Spirit in that very hour will, will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He's speaking of those times of sudden confrontations, Sudden confrontations. And so, so is he saying that, that, that to us here today in this 20th or uh, whatever, cent 23rd century, or whatever, on whatever century, we're in one of those later centuries, it's a long time after this. Anyways, he's saying to us today, you know what I mean? He's telling us, and so we can ask him, so, so does this mean that preparation is not ready? We don't need to be prepared, all right, to talk about God or anything like that? It's the exact opposite. What he's saying is you stay ready and you don't have to get ready, Amen. And how do you stay ready, man? You stay with him. You stay close. You stay in prayer. You stay in the word. You stay in fellowship with his church. And you stay in action. Because a life in Christ is a life that is lived in love out loud for the glory of Christ. Let me ask you a question. What if we took him this seriously? like trusted everything he said. What if we believed this about him and ourself? What change would come from you? What change would come from you? I'd like to share this letter that I, I share. Every couple of years, I'll share this letter. It's a letter from the second, third, um, in between the second and third century. It's a letter from a guy named Malthides in the Roman Empire. He writes it to a guy named Diognetus. And Diognetus at the time was, I don't know if you ever heard of the Emperor Marcus Aurelius, right? Real guy, real person. Diognetus was his, 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 his tutor. And Marcus Aurelius loved him and, 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 and loved to, take, to, to learn from him because he wasn't very superstitious. He didn't fall for all, fall for all kinds of craziness. 
But this letter was written to him and he put it on blast throughout the Roman Empire. And the letter said this, I'm just gonna read part of it, man. You can find this if you wanna look it up. It says, the Christians cannot be distinguished from the rest of the human race by country or language or customs. They don't live in cities of their own. They don't use a particular form of speech. They don't follow an eccentric manner of life. Yet, although they live in Greek and barbarian cities alike, and follow the customs of the country in clothing and food and manners of daily living, at the same time, they give proof of the remarkable and admittedly extraordinary constitution of their own commonwealth. They live in their own countries, but as aliens. They have a share in everything as citizens, but endure everything as foreigners. Every foreign land is their fatherland, yet for them, every fatherland is a foreign land. They marry like everyone else, and they beget children, but they don't cast off their offspring. They share the board of their home, right? The, 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 the room and board of their home with each other, but they don't share their marriage bed. They busy themselves on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They obey the established laws, but in their own life, they go far beyond what the laws require. They love all men, and yet by all men, they are persecuted. They are poor, yet they make many rich. What if we, what if you and I, truly lived our faith, our love, our life in Christ out loud in our homes first. And notice I say loved before loud because loud is determined by love. How loud? What if we truly lived our faith out loud in our homes first? Then outside our front door, Next. And then wherever God would lead us in our day-to-day, -day, what if we truly, what if you and I, what if we truly lived this life in love out loud? We'd change the world, beginning right here for his glory, coming right from your house. Amen? So here's what I want you to do kind of help with this a little bit. I got a, I got a scripture again I want you to, 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 to just put in front of, I know you're reading some scriptures throughout, throughout the day and throughout, I mean, throughout the week and whatnot, maybe, maybe the day. Put the scripture in front of it, just, just a real quick scripture and a question, and then read your, 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 your daily reading or however God leads you. But it's a scripture I like to call one of the, one of the most intense scriptures on moral authority. Moral authority, in other words, what you say, all right, people can look over your shoulder and say, I believe you. Because if we're going to live a life in Christ that is lived in love and out loud for his glory, well, we want people to believe us, right? We've got to be believable. That's why he tells uh, Pastor Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself. 
Pay attention, man. When you look at the scripture, man, look at it as through a mirror. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this, man. Continue. Don't just do this one time. Don't just, I'll do it today. And then, you know, what was that thing we're supposed to do? This is a daily thing, a daily reminder. I will challenge you for seven days, man. But I would challenge you to own this verse. Put it somewhere. Carve it in stone, man. I mean, just kind of write it on your garage door. Freak everybody in the neighborhood out. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and the hearers. That's the scripture I want you to read. And then I want you to add this question. How will I prove my love for Christ today? How will I prove, give evidence, give testimony? How will my life be the proof of his love? How will I prove my love for Christ today? Amen? Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen? Knock it out.